It's actually recording, so we're all good. <laughs> I like. I have my post-it ready here to to hold it up in case. To hold, oh wait, that's not it. That's oh, my you... Wi-Fi password. Or maybe I don't have a post-it <laughs> anymore. Oh yeah, here it is. It'd be really um, funny if you held up your Wi-Fi password. And I would just be really confused. <laughs> You're like, what does Lou? Yeah, I can't. I pre- well, I don't know. No one knows where I live. They can't come try to steal my Wi-Fi. It's not that, that good be, anyway. Uh, That'd be a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Shall we do this? Yep. Let's get going. <clears throat> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story an unofficial podcast of the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. what's up, everyone? How's it going, Tyler? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Uh, a little sad. I think you know why. Well, you know, there's a couple different reasons. I mean, first and <laughs> foremost, second to last episode, you know? I mean... That is the first and foremost when we when we arrive at the end it's always tough it feels it feels too early and it it has since we've shortened the season and don't have like the week uh, weeks of break anymore um it just it makes the season feel so much shorter and it like something kind of feels wrong about it that it's like over before yeah. thanksgiving is we kind of barrel know. through a whole season real quick yeah yeah but i i mean i think we both said there's there's ups and downs to that. I do feel like since they started doing that, the writing altogether has been more cohesive. Right. Because, um, wait, is this the second or third season they've done that now in a row? Where it's all ended before, like, all, like, you know, Yeah, in a row. yeah, where they cut it short. Um, I don't... I can't remember I if it was second. Roanoke or Hotel that was the first one. Yeah. Roanoke did it. Hotel, I think... I think the Hotel had a break. Yeah, we'd have to go... Well, we could go check our episodes to see how many episodes right. there were. But, um... <clears throat> Anyway, I, I definitely want to dive into this episode, get a little Charles Manson in charge going on. Yeah. Of course, before we dig in, as always, uh, we want to remind you all to check us out on Facebook.com slash This American Horror Story. The conversation continues. Uh, all sorts of good stuff going on in terms of discussion and everything. It's been, it's been really fun this season, guys. We really appreciate you coming and chiming in and sharing your thoughts. and The kind of uh, conversation we built around the show, I think, has been a lot of... I've, I've really enjoyed it. Um, you can also email us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. Love to hear your theories and your thoughts. And rate us review us on iTunes. We always appreciate that. Uh, one other thing I wanted to say before we get into this episode is I have been watching the show Mindhunter. I think I texted you about that. Oh, you texted day. me about it, yeah. Yeah, have you watched it? It's, it's on Netflix. Have you, have you, so you haven't watched any of it yet? I haven't. No, I haven't, but I heard good things. So you like it, though. I do like it. So, well, it's. I feel like it has relevance to this show in the sense that it takes place in the 1970s. It's kind of about these FBI agents who are trying to understand, um, you know, it's the first time they're really trying to bring behavioral science and, you know, psychology in an intense, excuse me, in an intense way kind of into understanding, you know, serial killers and um, murderers and that sort of thing. And... It's kind of, I mean, it's really fascinating because you kind of hear their strategies about getting into the minds of these people. And, you know, there's a pushback about it at the time. But if you, you know, you, you look at 
kind of the way they approach things and you think about the you know nature versus nurture and whether or not you know somebody is born a killer or whether it's something that they've created and so many of these guys i mean it's it's based on like a true like an actual book and stuff and they talk to like people who like were real serial killers i think at least and a lot of these guys were um you know there's trends a lot of them had like especially like with their parents like fraught dynamics whether like you know the father was abusive or the mother was like emotionally distant or something like that it sees it it's very influential and i think that's interesting when you look at kai and look at like that kind kind of being the trigger that they picked for um his character to kind of have these instabilities i don't know it's fitting and i yes, think that shows that's really a good way to put it people yeah. should go check it out and it has a um glee alumni in jonathan groff, groff oh yeah groff. yep yeah he's great so anyway that's my pitch anything else you wanted to say before we dig in <laughs> Um, maybe I'll move that to the beginning of the episode. <laughs> there you go. We'll take a pause here and go. Okay. Um, <laughs> before we dive into Charles Manson in charge, of course, uh, we need to settle in. What are you drinking? I am doing a Tyler Moss special, a little uh, bourbon and cider. Uh, mm. a, a actually chilled um, cider this time around. My heater's cranked up to seventy right now, though, so it feels good. What are you yeah, having? Nice little fall in your glass Mm -hmm. uh i am not drinking my special drink uh this week i probably will next week i am instead indulging in a um a beer called the upside down from a local brewery here it's a dark season nice a uh play off of stranger things season two which i have not finished yet because my wife stephanie went out of town um just after it came out and we only got to watch three episodes and i promised her that i would wait to finish the rest and i'm regretting that why would you ever make that promise it was a terrible promise. Have you finished? Oh, yeah. I, I finished it the first weekend. Loved it. <sighs> of course you did. <laughs> I won't say anything, Man, but I loved it. <laughs> I love that. I love that shit. I love anything that has, like, 80s movie feel to it. It's fantastic. Like it? <laughs> As we've talked about? Yeah. 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 Anyway. <laughs> Into Charles Manson and Charles. Directed by right. Bradley Buecher. Written by yep. Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk. Correct. You know, I want to start off before we get into the cold open with saying, you know, sometimes in these seasons you have the highest highs followed by the lowest lows. That might give uh, you a bit well. of an impression about how I've felt personally about this episode. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. And sometimes it's the reverse of that. Sometimes, you know, you come off a really low episode and you have something that really kind of catches you off guard in a great way. Um, obviously, you know, we were I, we, we were both really high on last week's episode. Of, yeah. Um, uh, what was it? Winter of Our Discontent? Is that was no was that drink, last week's? drink the Kool Aid. Oh, drink the Kool Aid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drink the Kool Aid. Um, I have yeah some interesting things, but let's start with the cold open, okay. which is back to the final presidential debate. I think it was in like October 29th, twenty sixteen. Something I thought we would never keep going back to because they said this is gonna we're only gonna talk Trump and stuff like that in the first episode, and then we have seen callbacks to footage from the election and i get kind of frustrated by that because i thought we'd moved past that we have and i will give it that i mean it's less about you know what the candidates in the election are saying and it's i mean obviously kai is somewhat of a a voice for trump philosophies but we're getting slivers of origin stories throughout the whole season and that's part of kai's big pivot point of how he ended up meeting um um, Francis Conroy's character and Baby, so I, I get yeah, his purpose mm-hmm. it's just like yeah we gotta do it 
with more footage from the election. <laughs> right. Okay. So I mean, I Which guess kind of funny. Give a brief overview. It's election night. Oh, that that's right. We're we're that is true. We're a year later from the breaking point. You know, the fracture point of what this whole season is supposed to be kind of derived from. So that's interesting. It's too bad they didn't plan the finale for that because that could have kind of been entertaining. Yeah, that's that would have been kind of clever. Um, <clears throat> you know, obviously Kai gets into the dispute with Winter's friend. He slaps her. He gets sent to anger management, and then you kind of have his interaction with Francis Comrade. Um, what did you take away from all this? What do you feel like you learned? Did you feel like it added depth to Kai's character? Do you feel like it was a satisfying tie-in to understand how you know Kai and Bebe had a relationship? What were your thoughts? I thought so. One thing that stuck out to me was he says to Winter, "Want to bet?" And I was like, "Oh, maybe this is where they, you know, you know, the origin of them, like whoever wins has to help the other, originally started from." Um, I did kind of like the commentary of you know all the ladies on the couch being swept up with the Hillary momentum and and you know that I feel like that was fairly accurate with at least a lot of the attitude that I remember from back then um but you know I was a little frustrated because I see Winter says like Kai you finally crossed the line and we find out you know you know months later when he does other things and she's like no he's finally crossed the line he's crossed the line multiple times with Winter here she keeps letting him you know forgiving him so I found that kind of interesting because then I could think about, um, you know, their relationship and where her loyalties lie because that's been a big question mark for us. What What's Winter's deal? Who is she really, you know, working for? Is it herself? Is it the other ladies? Is it Kai? Uh, what is it? So that kind of gave me a little bit of hope that we were going to find more of an answer there. But in the end, I don't know. You know, it just shows us how Kai met, um, and I can't remember her name. Is it BB? BB, yeah, yeah, Bebe, BB, or uh-huh. be, yeah, how he met her, um, uh, Valerie Solanus's, um, you lover, know, lover, protege, whatever, uh, and then kind of gave us that whole background story, which was a twist. She was really trying to play Kai to get him to um, unleash feminist or uh, the feminine rage. <laughs> so I don't know. It's kind of like it was. At this point, I want to see us kind of like wrap up some storylines and really push forward to uh, a climax as opposed to, oh, and by the way, we're bringing this character back that we ha- we've we had missing for three or four episodes. Right. Uh, just to bring her back and say, oh, yeah, this was a trick also. So I don't know. It didn't. It wasn't as successful for me, that whole opening. What, what were your thoughts on it? So the first thing that irritated me, probably unreasonably so, was the thought that I couldn't get out of my head is like, why are Winter and her two friends from Vassar back in the basement of this little Michigan <laughs> ta- you know, house in rural, you know, rural Michigan or suburban Michigan uh, in like late October? It, it, for some reason, I was like, <laughs> why aren't they enjoying, you know, living it up in New York or whatever? Um, so that kind of bothered me to begin with. She worked um, on the campaign, right? <laughs> Wasn't she working on the campaign? Why would she be at home? Yeah, I mean, I guess unless she was on the ground working on the campaign in there, Michigan, but that would be an awful lot to, for her to like be going back and forth. I mean, she's not driving that distance, so I, is she like 
It doesn't seem like they're wealthy unless they have like inherited some money from their parents dying. I, but then, do people know their parents are dead? That's never really cleared up, is it? Like, we don't know if like the general public or whatever knows whether or not their parents died, or whether it's just like no one's ever heard from them again. They never had any friends. Do they have friends? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a thing I hadn't even thought about till we discussed it now. Um, <clears throat> I thought that the banter was. I, I I thought that was all right too. I thought that the girl who played um, Winter's friend, who was like taunting Kai, I thought she did a good job. Yeah, um, they were good. It was very Glee esque. Yeah, and I thought she kind of did a good job of like really harnessing kind of that, um, you know, the you know what really like strong Hellie believers kind of how they excuse me how they kind of felt about where things were going. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you have the slap and everything. I guess one of the things is for me here, too, is, like, I felt like when we saw them go back to the uh, what, the Judgment House or whatever, you know, and uh, you have Rick Springfield or whatever, and, like, Kai has his first kill, you know? I kind of felt like that was supposed – I mean, I think part of what that was supposed to demonstrate was that, like, you know, his commitment to winter or whatever, but I thought it was also supposed to kind of show, like, a turning point for him where it's like you know before he had just kind of been like an internet troll or whatever and it was like he's kind of getting in touch with like his inner charisma or something and then you know you have this scene where the winter's friend just like so much you know humiliates him so directly it, it felt like that Kai they were portraying there was not the same one that we see I don't know it kind of felt like a step you know a step backward from where we thought he was supposed to be and it's kind of like well then was his awakening really when Bebe, you know, basically convinces him that his his talent is to go be a politician? And that scene also, I didn't really, you know, I guess, you know, the big reveal here is supposed to be that she's kind of the puppet master behind all this, and she's really the one who convinced, like, set all the wheels in motion for this when he had never really thought about being involved in politics. But it didn't, her logic didn't even really follow to me about why he was the best candidate to do this. You know, he had just... Like she says he's special, better than the others, and we don't know really why. Well, and maybe it was just a lack of time, but I don't feel like we saw enough of their interactions to under like for him to have shown himself to be particularly charismatic, or why he would be a good device to unleash I mean, the I female get... rage that's been right. dammed up. Well, you know, I, if maybe if her thought process was that he is so um, provocative that he could go about you know inciting women to to anger. Um, but I feel like what the cold open showed is the exact opposite. He was the one who was so quickly provoked to anger by a female. Yep. So it, it, I don't know. I had a lot of, it was just, this just wasn't very believable for me. I did like yeah. though how they kind of played in the part where, you know, part of how Bebe, you know, seduces him into this path. It seemed like was kind of playing a motherly role. And they, they did kind of plant the seeds for that earlier when like, you know, his mom is killed or kills herself after kind of the, you know, she shoots the father or whatever. And he clearly was kind of a mama's boy, I think. And so, you know, he's parentless and that was a traumatic event. And that was like the only other time we really saw him break down crying was talking about his parents. And so, I mean, maybe that part kind of made sense, but some of the, the logic here bothered me. It was shot really well though. I'll say there was some great directing there. Um, Cause we start in on the statue 
and then we uh, when we see Kai sitting on the couch the statue is shot from kind of below and the statue which is the goddess of love and war is kind of like in his like crotch kind of like in a you know submissive type of a way uh, and then as it shifts around and as Francis Conway's character gets up and walks over and starts kind of planting these seeds and seducing him into becoming this character, this, this puppet that she can control, um, they shoot from behind Kai's head and his head is kind of in her <laughs> um, crotch area, <coughs> which shows him. And he's shot from that direction, which was kind of, I don't know, well, a nice little juxtaposition in play there. That Well, and I suppose that's like what that's insinuating. It's like mm-hmm. him being dominated by the vagina. Exactly. Know? Yep. And so, yeah, I agree with you. Artistic, like, in terms of directing, I thought that that, that was a good job. Right. Uh, so the opening, scene, like the opening scene after that, where they have their, you know, the live streamed protest. Yep. I don't know how you felt about this, but it seemed to me like this was very much kind of a... Uh, you know, uh, playoff of Charlottesville. I mean, did you see the Vice documentary they did on Charlottesville right after? I didn't um, watch it. Now, so there's a scene in there where um, one of the characters, the kind of the main guy they're following, this Christopher Cantwell, who's a prominent white nationalist, gets sprayed in the face with pepper spray. And oh, then, so you that know, was played off in this. And then okay. they like they then they use the milk reference. to like basically dump, you know, kind of help clean his eyes out and stuff. And that seemed like a very direct allusion. Oh to yeah, what was going on then. there? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also kind of a, a good fit because that's kind of the breaking that breaking point for that guy in the documentary too. And then he ends up, you know, crying on camera and stuff. So I guess that's more foreshadowing of where Kai is kind of trending toward. Yeah, uh, he's he hits episode. that. I, it's kind of weird. It was a weird shift for for me right there. I understand being frustrated, uh, but you know he's kind of thrived in you know anarchy and and um, you know like he has more and more attention on him and i guess with that attention he's worried that it's not the right attention but you know driving like protesters showing up trump thrived off of that and you would think that kai would kind of have that same mentality and you know make fun of them or point them out but he gets really frustrated and angry which seems not the calm not not necessarily calm but at least kind of collected and uh um calculated that Kai has been throughout the season, so I, I'm. It's I don't know if he's what's really putting him at his breaking point, but he's. So he, here's here's yeah. what I think it is actually is, um, and and I think this ties in why this has been so prominent or they kind of focused on this in so many episodes is it's the Adderall, and I think that he's at a point oh, where he's yeah. abusing the Adderall. I have a friend who. Um, was put on too high of an Adderall dose at one point, and it caused this exact kind of paranoia where they were worried about, you know, being bugged for one or being hacked or one thing or another. It's like you get Adderall can do that, and I was kind of thinking. I mean, obviously they focused on this in past episodes, you know, showing him popping the Adderall like candy. I think yeah, you had good Winter even um, mention that at one point in this episode. But also, yep. um, <clears throat> if you think about, you know, where is he probably getting this from? Well, he was getting it from Rudy Vincent's scripts or whatever. And, you know, we, we know that background because he was legally selling it when Colton Haynes' character caught him. But to some degree, you know, he probably had to steal those prescription pads, you right. know, more furtively from Rudy. And so 
but maybe now that Rudy's gone, he has all this access to him, and so maybe he's overdosing in it on, on the Adderall, and maybe also he feels like he needs it more because there's so many balls he has to keep up in the air. He feels like he needs to focus more. So the thought is, oh, well, you take more to focus more. And then that ends up triggering that is true, the paranoia. Yeah. Yep. So that was that was my thought about what was fueling the paranoia, I think. That totally makes sense, yeah. And, you know, you see hints of that starting at the beginning where they're ditching the ice cream truck. Which every time I see the like an ice cream truck in the woods, it reminds me of Twisty, which I think is intentional. Uh, this initial interaction here with Allie and Winter, um, you know... This didn't work for me. It didn't work for you. Tell me more about it. I mean, it was just we've already been here. We've we've kind of tread this ground already, where Winter apologizes and Allie gets mad, and we know that Allie <coughs> is vengeful right now. Um, unfortunately, for the way this episode turns out, but I, I don't know. This is ground we've already covered. I, I didn't need this scene again. I think the only purpose for it was to try to redeem Winter a little more before she's set up to, I don't know, likely be dead. Um, and But I didn't need this scene to, to make me sympathize or care about Allie, or sorry, uh, Winter, Winter, because I think we all kind of collectively did. Yeah, there were questions about where her loyalty lies, but I don't think anyone was rooting against her or hated her for what she did in the context of this show. I mean, she's kind of one of the, the more pure... Um, decent people <coughs> so I, I don't know I just yeah, didn't need it I agree with you I think that the point of this was supposed to make her seem more sympathetic maybe it was supposed to make that you know her death at the end of this episode all the more devastating because you know you feel bad for her because she really did love Ivy um, although I would never I mean I don't know that I really feel that, that they loved bad each for other? her no. or, yeah or like that relationship really no. felt that Intense. It wasn't significant enough. No. no, I mean, we didn't even really understand if they were more than friends until right. It, yeah. You know, Ali straight out says it, and so I think that was what the intention was, but I don't know that it was successful in that regard. Uh, next thing I want to hear your thoughts on are, you know, Kai's uh, Charles Manson story time. You know, he he's pissed that the senator <laughs> is telling all the um, background or you know. Is basically like the incumbent senator he's challenging, and we should note that I I believe I look, think I looked this up. Both current senators in Michigan are are Democrats right now, so you know it's kind of fitting that he would be challenging an incumbent Democrat. Um, do you what did, did did this live up to your expectations? I guess I thought it was. I mean, once he said story time, I was like story time. This is fun, and all his dumbass bros like get their sleeping bags out and get really they're just so dumb <laughs> um which makes it kind of funny otherwise it would be just even more disturbing but uh, it was you know this was kind of probably my favorite flashback sequence surprisingly just because the characters who play the killers uh that manson kind of six onto um polanski's house that sharon tate and all those people are staying at are played by three of our main actresses, um, Billy Lord, uh, Sarah, Sarah Paulson, Paulson, and who's the other one? 
Meadow. I can never remember the actress. Oh, yeah, Meadow. Yeah, shoot, I can't remember her name right now either. But, yeah, but when I saw them, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. And it we was kind of en- Yeah, we get an encore for Billy Eichner and... Uh, and Billy Eichner, yeah. yeah Meadow. And I also thought that... Uh, I thought Sarah Paulson was a pretty effective... She's good. Um, yeah, I thought she was creepy. Um, and I thought that... <clears throat> I thought that this... I, I, th- I, I thought this flashback was, enter- like, creepy and entertaining. And it was not too long. Um, yeah. And it was kind of like it, it, what I think what also made it kind of spooky or like more effective is the fact that they didn't end up showing Charles Manson in the actual flashback. Um, right. He was just alluded to, you know, and it, I think it kind of demonstrated the power he held over them that we didn't actually even have to see him, but they were, you know, we kind of saw the fruits of his, you know, psychological powers, you know. Yeah, tentacles. and the way they shot it too was very. I don't know, kind of 70s or, or Grindhouse-esque, and I, I liked that style. I'm a big fan of, you know, Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez's um, Grindhouse, those that those two films. So, and with, like, uh, the all the girls with their, um, you know, their nicknames uh, in red on the screen, too. It was just kind it of, it was feel fun. very Grindhouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree with you. This and, might have been my favorite part of the episode was this flashback. Inherently, it's about. a much more interesting story than you know david koresh i mean I, i'm not like you know weighing lives against lives but this was such a big you know entertainment industry thing um i mean again the cults are one thing but and these still is and still cult. is yeah. i mean in that in that show um uh mindhunter they talk about manson a bunch and i and i think oh, there's been some I've, there's been recent books about manson too but there's been recent books about jim jones also right um <clears throat> I do like I, I don't know what do you think about Evan Peters um, Charles Manson Charlie Manson I thought he was kind of goofy <laughs> I did <laughs> not like I honestly did not enjoy his Manson as much as I enjoyed his and I think it was also partly because it was the hallucination and not in the set in the um, it was his hallucination of, of Manson who yeah. was still alive <laughs> Right, and so for me, I I didn't particularly think it was all that, it wasn't all that effective as the device it was supposed to, like you know the devil on his shoulder. Um, I I don't know. What do you think? I would have rather probably seen Rudy Vincent as like the person he's hallucinating as alive, or Ivy coming back and being someone like that. Um, Manson, I, I I get the purpose of Manson and him hallucinating because a it's stoking the flames of his paranoia and pushing him to do more like um you know uh, like amazing things that are going to outrage uh the country and whatnot so i get the purpose of it but it was kind of goofy we did, I, don't I don't think know. he captured manson's intensity it, you mm-hmm. know it didn't I, I which is disappointing because i feel like it, you know evan peters has done a pretty good job this season uh for i mean there's I think Kai's a pretty fascinating character, and he's right. done a pretty good job in adding all those layers. And I enjoyed even you know him portraying Jim Jones and David Crash and all those. But this was I felt like this was maybe this was a bit of a miss for me. Uh, the one thing I couldn't so out of all this story, the thing he comes out of is that they're going to have the Night of a Thousand. I can I never understood what what is the last word? I can say it again. He as he said a Night of a Thousand uh, Tates, I believe. Yeah, a thousand Tates, T- like Sharon Tate. 
Oh, okay. That's like, why I kept like not thou- understanding what he was saying. Yeah, he's like, one A thousand preg- Sharon Tates. Yeah, one dead pregnant that lady makes a lot more sense. We need a night of a thousand Tates. Mm, okay. I can I like did not understand the final word he was saying and it like, confused <laughs> me over and over again. Um I mean And I was like, what did oh, you feel? No. Here so, we go. Well, so let's talk about uh Gary's sacrifice here. Uh did was that effective for you? You know, it's kind of weird because Gary's an awful human being in this in this show in this universe. But uh, when they ganged up on him, I, I kind of felt a little bad for the guy. <laughs> you kind of feel and, a little bad for him. You do, yeah, he's just a pawn. He's just a pawn. He's so loyal. Poor guy. Yeah. He's so loyal. <laughs> he does everything right. He falls in line. He drinks the Kool Aid. Like he's 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 loyal to the to the um, to the end. But yeah, he ends up. I don't understand the production behind it. Like, why do they have to trick him to go around? I get, I get trying to. They wanted to do it in the Planned Parenthood, but um, why they had to go like run behind the you know into the phone booth and quickly put on their clown costumes <laughs> was a little like I don't know unnecessary to me as well. Um, but I you know I I thought this wasn't a thousand tapes to me. A night of a thousand tates. This was well, and I well, and I don't know that it was supposed to be because I do think that at the end of it, um, uh, Kai says, you know, we're still going to have a night of a thousand tates oh, or something. Okay. Like that. This is yeah. going to be like part of what spurs or whatever. Uh, and so maybe right. they'll talk more about that next episode. Yeah, but so I agree I with know, you. Like the staging his death, I felt bad for Gary, but Gary bought into it. He knew what he was getting himself into with all these crazies. So. You know, the way they have it done is, it was kind of like, well, I don't know. This felt a little bit to me like they were, this is one of those situations in which they put like a twist in where it didn't really need to be. Yeah. Or it's like, you oh, know, we haven't Gary killed one of our main guys off in a while. Let's do this one. I mean, Gary seemed most willing to kill himself for Kai's sake since drinking the Kool Aid, you know? So it's not like, I mean, I guess it was supposed to be a surprise then that they would like bring out the clowns to do it. But it, you're a, right, it seemed like a lot of a lot of production value for not a real like, point. Why to does it. it have to be Gary? That you've been killing random people for a couple months now. Why wouldn't you just pick a random person? Also, it, I, I, the only reason why I think this is there's like this unwritten rule in American horror story, you know, lore, which is you can only have one, maybe two characters tops uh, alive at the end of a season. Yeah. So well, and we pay, I like. I think we did. We both guess Gary was going to die by the end of the season last episode. Oh, I'm sure we did. Yeah. I think we. Oh, I I, I joked that because I was thinking if they all like where would they end up li- alive and I and I said Gary would be back at the grocery store. <laughs> well, maybe. Uh... But he ended up as a Planned Parenthood sacrifice. <laughs> Yeah. Also, though, when he's lying oh against, God. well, so two things here. I thought I did enjoy like the the kind of emotional music they played behind, like him and Kai hugging mm-hmm. each other. That was like yeah, that was kind of music. It was like the kind of music you pl- that like they play, you know, in the final scene of Homeward Bound, where like Shadow and <laughs> the dogs are he was too to old, he couldn't make it. <laughs> yeah, and then but then on the um when they kill him and he's you know lying against the front door. There's the sign written in blood that says "Stop the slaughter," right? And this confused me too because if he was killed by, you know, pro-choice advocates, why would they write in his blood "Stop the slaughter"? Right? He 
was killed by pro-choice in the in the story that Kai's spinning. Yeah, right. Stop the slaughter. Maybe they think that he wrote that as he was dying. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right? So, yeah, because this, right, that makes no sense, right? Because it would, that would be something that, like, you know, if the pro life crew killed, you know, the nurse who works at Planned Parenthood and then wrote and that said, in her right, blood. That would make sense. That would make sense. But the I didn't Kai's understand. To frame, you know, social justice warriors. <laughs> Right, As the the woke murderers. the woke warriors or whatever. Yeah. yeah, so that didn't make any sense. Yeah, to me right or whatever there. they were called. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, that's a really now, good that, point. What's like, up with that? Yeah, so that, I feel like that summed up this episode in a nutshell for me, where it was just like little things were like, eh, this doesn't exactly make sense. Um, I did like I'll, the that Gary went in there under the guise that they were gonna steal a list of pregnant chicks who want to get late-term abortions as a political statement. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, well, and I mean, so, maybe, so you funny. know, Gary is so gullible and yeah. easily manipulated, and, you know, maybe well, that was why I think a lot of people are when they find he... out when they don't really understand what Planned Parenthood also does, <laughs> what they can and can't do, which is, I thought that was a good commentary on that. That's true as well. Um, because they keep a list about, of you know, pregnant chicks who want to get late term abortions. I love that. That's so ridiculous. Anyway, so it was. I laughed out loud it, a lot I mean, when I when it, effective, that. effective satire. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about uh, Beverly being like having oh, totally lost broken. her mojo, her zeal. You know, we saw this happen after she was like she had the total breakdown with the Kool Aid. Do you think she's coming back from this? She's is she bouncing back in the final episode? I think she will, just because we've seen how strong she is, and and I forgot that she was. I guess after the Kool Aid incident, she didn't have to go back into isolation, so she's at least back she's in the world the doing her job, yeah. serving Kai. Um, right. She looks, you know, a mess, uh, and Kai reprimands her after the camera shuts off. But um, yeah, I think she'll bounce back, and you know, we get a little inkling of that in the in the preview for next week. So it'll be good to see the old Beverly back, and I think even was it. Um, uh, BB or Bebe, uh, she says you even broke like the incredible Beverly Hope, like you screwed everything mm-hmm. up when she comes at him for not doing her mission. So it was sad right. to see her like that, but it's you know we know she'll be back. Yeah, you know we have the scene where Winter tries to give Beverly the Another... ticket to Butte, and that ends up being Beverly. Or well, so that ends up being like Winter's downfall, I guess, is that you know she. Is finally secretly decides to do something to more actively fight against Kai instead of just, um, you know, printing out a wiki how for how to leave a cult. And that's what ends up getting her killed in the end. At the time here, did you believe that Winter... Did you trust Winter? I, I didn't really, um, just because I, you know, she also did things like go get... Um, odds from the school to give to Kai and like so she's done it's never been really clear to me so in this situation I just kind of let things happen and was kind of hoping that Beverly would make the right choice that would keep her alive no matter what it was Um, and and I didn't know what Winter's ultimate intention was I liked to believe that she was being you know honest and altruistic and trying to save this person whom she framed and like straight up admitted she framed 
um, which I guess answers the question I had about like were they in it together was this a ploy nope they just like just, she just turned on her because she had no other option because she was trapped yeah and I mean this that's a little bit frustrating because you know you think well Kai's supposed to be so you know so, so ingenious wouldn't he figure that out but I guess you could argue that you know maybe he wanted to believe Winter because they had this special relationship or whatever um, and Winter's yeah like uh, we'll go into this at the end but I think they just did a, a horrible job writing Winter and her storyline like it was so promising early on and then everything that we've gotten recently is just either been contradictory and not in the sense of like ooh, like what's going to happen who is she really with because uh, we see the end of her story here that it just doesn't make sense and her death was for me ripped uh, away or stripped away of all emotional connection with her I was like well I didn't want her to die but like I have no idea who this person is I I absolutely agree with you and I um, well, well let's yeah. let's hold on that for a second uh, we already talked about the oh so back just back to that scene though I do think that that was effective in with Beverly not accepting the train ticket just showing yeah. how you know much a cult like that can play with your mind so you can't feel like you can get out you know you feel like every you, you're distrustful of everything everything seems like it's a trick it's a loyalty test kind of thing exactly um, you can't trust anyone so just play it safe and stick around yeah so i thought that was a, an effective device in that regard right um another thing we already talked about the scene with you know uh charles manson popping up as a hallucination in the dead body bedroom um, i will say that i think i enjoyed rudy vincent as a zombie more than i enjoyed rudy i vincent did too as a person. i did too totally yeah yeah that it was way better and then also i did think that it was good foreshadowing to have winter as or um billy lord play the character in the manson storyline that was also the betrayer yep and so you're kind of foreshadowing that that's the one he's going to pick um i do ha- i do ha- also have kind of a complaint about that but I want to wait till we get to her death scene. Uh, but let's talk about Be- Bebe dying. Uh, she, you know, so it seems like her as a device was to explain like what triggered Kai to do all this, and obviously her existence is was her existence in, in their collaboration was an excuse to bring in the Valerie Solanus episode um, and. Get the I women to team up together for one episode before they all turn r- on each other. Right. And then also, because like, we need sort to have of, them do something. Well, and I, this, I guess what bothered me about that is this, I, this seemed like a poorly thought out, like, yeah, device. It seemed like there could have been a bigger, more interesting scheme than. Agreed. Because, like we said at the beginning, it just didn't really make sense to me why he was the device she decided to activate to harness this female rage or whatever. Right. Um, and, and if you look back at kind of his recruitment plan you know he starts with like i mean i guess maybe you could argue harrison was picked because he saw something in harrison that hated women because he hated meadow but initially what really like what he noticed about harrison was how much he hated the guy who was picking on him at the gym right Mm -hmm. and then Meadow kind of came to the cult through hair. I mean, right. I was trying to think through my head, like what made sense in terms of the recruitment for this or the recruitment for that. 
I don't know. It didn't seem like even ne- like that re- with that being the reveal. If you look back at what Kai's strategy was in putting all this together, it doesn't really come together in a way that makes sense. Again, so I feel like that's a bummer. That was a bummer that like we I think we kind of hoped that would become something because I feel like that was a really dramatic thing. After that, kind of in my personal opinion, kind of a like one of the less enjoyable episodes of the season. You get like this twist, like oh they're actually working together, and. Uh, the payoff wasn't worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, it, the writing just didn't really work for me. And so to see Frances Conroy, you know, doing a great job with the role she had, but, like, essentially be wasted uh, to be a plot device for one episode and then kind of using her in a flashback to, to give a little more meaning to why... Kai became the way he became but actually psych that was red herring he just wanted someone to tell him he was special so he could become president someday with you know with an army of you know white bro followers I don't know it just it doesn't there's a I lot mean, of stuff I, I'll buy into but that, that, that's just like sloppy at the on the end game the part the only part that really made game. sense about it I feel like is you know him saying uh, why did you, he basically he's saying to her like why would you think that I would you know willingly unleash female rage of course i'm into this like testosterone fueled anger and i felt like that actually i was like oh well that actually makes a lot more sense than this like collaboration ever did so so in that regard like uh, that part was believable also you get some irony i guess in the fact that ally is the one to kill baby is like you you know <laughs> she's she's killed by the kind of vengeful vigilante female force the only one who still has any strength who's left at the end of this episode right it was kind of funny when she's like who is that (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know you have this tense scene at the end leading up to winter's death where she shaves off his hair and this is supposed to be like really tense because he gives her well first shaving scene i hate this like it's so cliche yeah she cuts his hair off and it's not really like I don't know if it's supposed to demonstrate that he's like more clean cut because now he's actually running for real political office or more of a skinhead. Yeah, or more of a skinhead. And you have but you have kind of this moment where he, like they try to make him look monastic when he mm-hmm. has his head buzzed and he's got like the towel around him and he kind of has his hands together in a prayer. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I remember. And that. it's like he gives her like the final loyalty test by giving her the razor to shave him, which also like have you ever shaved with a straight razor before? I haven't, no. I have not, but that seems difficult. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Like, who does that? Yeah, and I was like, have they done this before? Is this... Where did she get her skills? Um, also, I will say, in this episode, I, I think we really learned how good Billy Lord is at uh, crying silent tears mm-hmm. that trickled in her cheeks while she's talking. Uh, what was the point of this? Why did he have her do that? Because she doesn't, like... You know, he puts himself intentionally in a precarious situation where she could end his life right there if she wanted to, but she it, doesn't because that's been the whole thing. It reminds me of the scene in Game of Thrones where uh, Ramsay Bolton has Theon, who's Reek at this point, shave mm-hmm. him just as a power to play to be like, your mm. life is, or my life is in your hands, but you're, I have so much power over you that you're not going to do shit about it. That's and true. You're just gonna okay. shave my face, and and that's ultimately what we learn from the flashback too of of, uh, of winter is that 
yeah, she said this is the last, you know, you've crossed the line this time so many times, but she loves him so much and she cares about him so much that she isn't going to do anything about it. Well, but it, yeah, and after all that, it doesn't do her any good because yep. he still sentences her to death because of the Butte, Montana ticket, which I get. what bothered me about that is that wasn't really that big of an infraction. She's telling him the whole time like how she needs to go somewhere yeah. and leave or whatever. Like, it, it, I, I don't even feel like Kai's that worried about Beverly anymore. He knows she's broken, so sending her away, whatever. Like, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a betrayal. Like, worth murder? Another yeah, murder? Yeah, it's, it's not like he's plotting. she's plotting to kill him or to totally disrupt his entire plan. So it's like... It's yeah, the paranoia, well, I guess. Because Allie just fed it and fed it and planted shit. True, and I guess that's you're right. That's the kind of narrative they're pushing is, and you know when they, especially when you, you're, you're absolutely right, because then they get to like the thing with uh, um, being sewn into the, the bug or whatever. Yeah, the bug, the Fitbit battery. Really Fitbit <laughs> battery. <laughs> that was great. I love that. Even in like her last moments, Billy Lord can like kill a, like a deadpan line like that. What What is this? That's my uh, what um, my Apple Watch battery or my Fitbit, my Fitbit battery. <laughs> and he doesn't even like think about that. He's like, no. And then what about this? And she's like, dude, she planted it. Mm-hmm. Well, so I mean, it must have been, it must have been Allie who, you know, squealed on winter in this situation. Yeah, yeah. Allie's well, totally I mean, like, I'm done with. But Allie I guess I, I mean, it's not exactly like Beverly has any no, warm I feelings think. toward winter but also you know beverly thought that it was a loyalty test from kai so maybe beverly mentioned it to Allie, and Allie told kai based on that or something i don't Who knows know maybe maybe about, they're but, in cahoots but but you get the impression that Allie's went engineering it right yeah and i wrote down fuck ally at this point like now she's just gone off the deep end i know she's like trying to get revenge or something like that but like i don't know like you're gonna do it with murder like you you just you just went from zero to 100 over here you completely went from like i want to get revenge to okay i, I want to get revenge against my wife to now i'm just killing motherfuckers you know <laughs> well i mean i don't know i like I, I that part you know i feel like what she's now like on kai's she's on kai's level and like she seems so deviant i don't know i, I that part didn't bother me as much i felt like They've sold her deviousness to me, um, you know, in in the tran- transformation they've portrayed. Um, but it was more, I mean, the way all this played out, I guess. And then you you know you have the ultimate choking scene, Kai like crying because it's like he doesn't really want to be doing this, but he feels like he has to. Um, but even so, like I, this particular scene, I so like stupid. you were saying, I didn't feel that. I don't know. I didn't I don't feel as devastated as I feel like we were supposed to feel, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely not. And her narrative arc was just d- doesn't make sense. Well, how many times throughout the entire season were we saying like, when are we going to learn the you know the you know layers underneath Winter that explain more about what her motivations are and like why she so quickly like after being yep. a Hillary supporter decided she was going to jump on the Kai bandwagon and where did they have this bet? Did she? We, you know, there was all these cool things I feel like they could have done that they ultimately just decided to make her into kind of a, you know, a flunky for her brother and that ends up being her ultimate, you know, path to death. It just felt like a pretty cliche path for a character that was had the potential yeah. to be a lot more 
Right. Um, Interesting. Right. And after that happened, I was like, and not because I cared about Winter so much. Like she was one of the more interesting people that we were hoping for more of, like you mentioned. But after they killed her off, and I was like, wait, why? Like, I don't, you know, what's the message here about this? And then I was like, all right, you know, forget this. Just blow it all up. I I just want to see everyone go down at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, even the episode. Beverly. I love you, Beverly, yeah. but like everyone's just such a mess that this is not as exciting or fun as it was. Mm-hmm. Unless and, it all gets blown know. up. <laughs> so the episode ends with Speedwagon running out to the car, and he's wearing a wire, it looks like, that he yeah. breaks. So it really was a mole. Uh, question Did Allie put him up to this, or did she just happen to know or somehow predict that he was involved? I was going to ask you that too. I was like, What's Allie's move here? Is she saying, like, Hey, good job, you did it? Like, give me the tape? Or because it, it's, it's really unclear with the way this ends. Um, I, my initial reaction was she does know. I got the idea. Yeah. But she could very well catch him, and I don't think she's going to do anything, but maybe she has, you know, she could put him under her control now because. Black she knows mole. that he's yeah, the mole. That's kind yeah. of what I thought maybe that was going. But if she knew that about Speedwagon and then she let Winter die, she let Winter die because she was just a vengeful person. Well, again, which yeah, which. Sense. Yeah, which, I, I mean, mean that doesn't part doesn't bother me that much. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, thinking back on past seasons, I feel like I almost never liked the penultimate episode of American Horror Story because it's always a setup episode for the final episode. Yeah, and I yeah. Do, I don't ever feel like they do. I mean, even sometimes when they do this in mid season, when it's like a two episode arc, you know, for a storyline, I never feel like I like the first episode that well. Like the setup episode doesn't. Yeah, it's not typically done done well in a way that I like. Um. You know, we predicted predicted Gary's death. We did not predict Winner's death. I think we had hoped for more from her. We had hoped for her to be a survivor. That didn't happen. So I guess in that way, her death was a surprise, as was BB's. And I will say that this season has gone in directions I didn't anticipate. Um, I do, you know, we've seen the preview now, and I do kind of wish maybe they'd done something more interesting jumping into the future than the kind of standoff that looks like is coming. Um, I'm going to ask you to update your predictions now, I guess, starting with Beverly. Um, where does she end when this season ends? I still think that she may survive, possibly, and be kind of like a TV host of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, but she'll have to go through something transformational in this final episode to make that happen. What do you think she'll be? Dead? I hope not. I kind of hope that Beverly's the sole survivor and that Allie dies. Uh, yeah. Someone pointed out on social media that like Sarah Paulson has survived every season. And I think that's sort right. Of. I don't. Yeah. Can you think of one she's died in? Well, her character. Well, I mean, Hypodermic uh, uh, Sally was, was already dead. dead. Her Roanoke character dies, but she appears as um, Lana Winters in that season. That's true. I guess her Roanoke character dies. Uh, she survives Coven. She obviously survived Murder House. She survives Asylum. What else are we missing? Freak Show? She survives Freak Show. And that's all of them, isn't it? Yeah. 
So really, Roanoke is the only one that her characters have died in. Right. But uh, yeah, I feel like she. I feel like that character needs needs to die now. If we're gonna, if the final episode is going to be in the present day, kind of following this, then she needs to die. Yeah. And so does Kai. Um, yeah. I think like it's funny. Like I, I was initially worried that Kai, for, like, was like, oh gosh, if Kai really, you know, ascends to sender, that's going to be. But at this point, after this episode, seeing how much he's lost it. I think his demise is just, you know, one stroke and dotting the T's and crossing the I's for uh, next week. I don't see him actually ascending to president unless, again, something really crazy transformational happens in the final episode. Well, and that's the question, I guess, uh, the last question I have for you before we give our, our reviews is, how much will the way this last episode plays out influence your thoughts on the season as a whole? You know... It was looking really good up until this episode for me. Um, it it can bounce back. I don't think it's going to bounce back as as I don't think it's going to bounce back as high as the direction it was going after last week. Um, but it's possible. Um, the show's done finales in a decent way in the past, and I've enjoyed that. So uh, I'm hoping for the best. Um, the, whether it's a good ending, bad ending, as long as it, I mean like a happy ending or a sad ending whatever it can be either of those so long as strong episode uh with choices in endings for characters that make sense to kind of what we at least think we know about most of these people do you, like how do you feel i agree with you i think you know i think there's been a lot of moments leading up to the end of the season where it's like well I'm reserving judgment until I see where this is going. BB was one of those storylines, and that flopped here in ep- you know episode ten. I I'm not sure how redeemable the entire trajectory of the season is, but I do think that you can make up some of the ground lost on this episode. I, I like you know like you I agree that last episode I really enjoyed, um, and was you know the highest one we gave this season and probably out of a lot of seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for this final episode to be satisfying for me, it has to end a in an unexpected way, and a in an unexpected, or sorry, and b in an unexpected mm-hmm. way that basically what you said in an unexpected way that makes sense, you know? Yeah. That doesn't feel contrived. Um, that doesn't, you know, we're not poking all these holes in it, which is how this episode felt to me. Um, so I guess you know, with that in mind. How many rosé glasses are you going to give it? Uh, I was fairly disappointed. I had it set at what I was kind of... I was wavering between kind of two um, rank, rank ratings. And I was going to wait to talk to you before I made that decision. And I ended up going with the lower one. And sadly, I gave this episode three and a quarter glasses of rosé. I was at three and a half, but then talking to you, I was like, yeah, it's just it was very disappointing in the way some of these story mm-hmm. arcs have ended. Uh, for certain characters and now that we've seen it kind of all laid out i gave it a little bit lower than i would with the you know optimism that this will be really cool down the line i bet and it just didn't pan out this time for a few of the ones that you mentioned so what do you give it i think the the highlight of this episode for me was the manson flashback that didn't include manson yeah i Um, I liked that that was fun and that and that was you know what five minutes if even maybe not quite and that being the case i think i'm going to give it a three i think i oh wow yeah wow and i i because it's kind of a letdown after having an episode we liked so much 
mm-hmm. for this to follow. And then for the, I don't know, for the Valerie Solanus episode's big reveal to be that unsatisfying. That's lame. Yeah, it, it, it damages this episode. At that point, don't even bring her back. <laughs> no, and it really just shows it, basically what a throwaway that episode was, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And how much, how much it was just a vehicle to dive into, Women's. you know, them to try to do something fun with Andy Warhol and bringing Lena Dunham on, who didn't even do that great a job, in my opinion, until the very end when she's going crazy. Um, yeah. So I mean, what six and a quarter? So that's a big jump from what, that like might be our lowest eight of the and a half. Hey, I said highest highs and lowest lows. I think that yep. that was the case in this this case. So bummer. But uh, again, reserving hope that uh, we can get a redeemable season finale. Definitely. Do you know what the uh, do you know do we know what the title is for the season finale yet? I didn't write it down. Yes. And I just had it pulled up. Well, pull it up again. You know, it seemed like we're getting Allie and Beverly are planning an assassination. It looks like of Kai, and it looks kind. like Kai's in jail too, or in prison. Yeah, you know, he continues he's calling his on a payphone. Decline. Um, we see, you know, his gang of dudes uh, shoving knives and watermelons, which <laughs> I assume really is some bizarre. kind of training for maybe the night of a thousand tates or something. Um, it's called Great Again. Great Again. I mean, maybe this is that's an Ozymandias reference or something like that. I thought it was like um, "Make America Great Again," like a Trump reference. Oh, I'm sure it is a Trump reference for uh, sure. But also, yeah. if you're thinking about you know like having his kingdom fall apart, kind of that's been the foreshadowing with what that meant. And hmm, I, you know, we'll reserve judgment and be interesting to see. Also, did you see the um, the Angela Bat- Bassett and Connie Britton show that's coming out? Uh, yeah, nine one one. Yeah, that looks interesting. Looks good. Yeah, we'll have to see where that. And that was, I think that's a Ryan Murphy show too, isn't it? Oh, I'm sure it is with with them. And I I prefer them to come back to American Horror Story personally. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah, but we, cause yeah, because we, we only got Connie Britton in Murder House, right? She hasn't been in anything since then. Right. We're due for some Connie. For sure. Yeah, she's so great. Yeah. All right, uh, everybody. Uh, thanks yep. for joining us. Um, curious to hear what you guys thought of this episode. Uh, apologies that we're down about it it's really it's only because i think we were so high on last episode that this kind of felt like more of a bummer i'm curious to hear how you guys felt about the baby you know storyline how you felt about the end of winter all that kind of stuff um of course you can share those thoughts on facebook and also on uh by shooting us emails at you know this american store excuse me this american horror story at gmail also, after uh, next episode, in addition to reviewing the episode itself, as always, we will be going over the season as a whole. I'm hoping to bring in some cool new factors where we talk about mm-hmm. season MVP, um, like most improved. We're going to do most improved, I think. Um, we're going to do, what was a couple other ones I had? Rookie of the Year. I think we'll have some fun with it, so. We should totally. So, we'll have we'll have a good time. Um, yep. that'll, be a long, that'll be a long one, so. Looking forward to that. And uh, I guess until next week, where can people catch you, Chris? Twitter and Instagram, at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. What about you, Tyler? And in the meantime, guys, check me out at TJMoss11. Thanks for listening, and uh, until next week, happy hauntings.